Right on radio. Right on radio. Again, I thank you for this opportunity. And again, my conjecture is and remains. JFK was not assassinated on November 22nd, 1963. What was proven on November 22nd, 1963 at that time was the legal definition of conspiracy, the attempt to assassinate the President of the United States. This is now part four of this multi-part series. And as I prepared this PowerPoint called President John F. Kennedy Assassination Attempt, November 22nd, 1963, to assist with this further deep dive, including applicable visual, photo, video clips to accompany my remarks even deeper than my previous remarks. Ready to continue? And again, as we proceed, I want to hear you, your and your audience's questions, comments, aha moments along the way to make sure I've already addressed a question later in this series and to pulse where you are as well, particularly your aha moments. Okay? Oh, it's going to get very interesting, all the twists, turns, and where we end up. Surprises and aha moments all along the way. So we, we will now go to part four of the PowerPoint to continue our journey. Okay, so my conjecture is and remains that there was only one real murder assassination that took place in Dallas, Texas on November 22nd, 1963, during the legal definition of conspiracy to assassinate the President of the United States. And that was the murder assassination of Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett. And based on my research, that is, it is J.D. Tippett's remains buried at Arlington National Cemetery on March 14, 1967, not JFK's. For as I remarked previously, only declassified around the June 1, 1999 timeframe, it appears and appears to substantiate that JFK was buried out to sea in the prawns casket off the coast of Maryland and Delaware on February 18, 1966. Wait, bronze casket? Is this by chance the very same empty bronze casket seen being unloaded from Air Force One, which I have no doubt Air Force One would have had on board as a basic standard operating internal procedure, a basic protocol, would have had at least one empty casket on board Air Force One just in case. I mean, at our embassies overseas, we have empty caskets in our GSO warehouses just in case. So thus, this being the third applicable casket involved on November 22nd, 1963, and now to include being in storage and in possession of the JFK family, specifically RFK and Jackie, in preparation for when the already ailing president of the United States really passed away. And Delaware Coast, when did Biden become junior U.S. Senator for Delaware? Around the same time frame, right? And wasn't Nancy Pelosi's father heavily involved in Maryland politics at around the same time? And both Democrats, right? Now, is all that just a coincidence? particularly since now Biden is president and Pelosi, Speaker of the House, third in line of secession for the presidency. Wow. Now look at that. 
So is the release declassification of this fact, this bronze casket event, just a coincidence or what, given the timeline of events? The August 7, 1998 East Africa Embassy bombings in two Queen British Commonwealth countries, same long wedding weekend with JFK Jr. in attendance, and then about 10 months later, this June 1, 1999, JFK-related file declassification about the bronze casket being dumped out to sea on February 18, 1966. And then less than two months later, on July 16, 1999, JFK Jr.'s plane crash. And where are they buried? In quotes, out to sea just like JFK, just like bin Laden in the bogus May 1, 2011, President Obama, U.S. Navy SEAL capture kill raid. This raid that was supposedly for what? Payback for the August 7, 1998 East Africa embassy bombings, supposedly for the deaths of two CIA officials at Embassy Nairobi. And that's according to CIA officials including CIA director at the time, Leon Panetta, and under the tenure of the Obama administration. President Barack Obama, the supposed grandson of Hitler on his mother's side, who was supported by whom to become president to begin with? Senator Ted Kennedy and Caroline Kennedy over Hillary Clinton, the supposed deceased daughter of Nazi infiltrator George Scherf Jr., a.k.a. George H.W. Bush and Barbara Bush, the supposed illegitimate daughter of Aleister Crowley. And Hillary Clinton, the spouse of who? Bill Clinton, the supposed illegitimate son of Winston Churchill. And when was the embassy bombing? Under the tenure of President Bill Clinton. And when was I massively targeted, retaliated against? Under the tenure of President Barack Obama. And all this is not interconnected, interlinked, right? So again, given the documented reinterment event in the late evening of March 14, 1967 at Arlington National Cemetery that I previously commented, my conjecture is and remains that it is J.D. Tippett that is actually buried there in Arlington, along with, and my conjecture being, the intact brain with no bullet damage, no damage whatsoever, of JFK's, thus proving and as proof that JFK was not assassinated on November 22, 1963. With that, these two reference document documentaries need to be watched in their entirety. Though there is information in both that I do not agree with, a lot of the information in both I do. So again, I encourage all to watch both in their entirety. And for now, the points I focused on, let's first address the caskets. The three caskets involved on November 22, 1963. Two caskets unloaded from Air Force Two, containing now deceased JFK look-alike Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett, and the pre-arranged, pre-orchestrated, pre-positioned cadaver at Parkland Hospital, I referenced during the part one of this series on Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. 
I will now present the applicable clipping from the JFK Truth, the Mob CIA, and the Eight Paid Assassins YouTube video, which we've viewed previously, publication date, May 11, 2017, by Francis R. Connolly. And we are going to play this from about 3405 to 3450. At the Methodist Hospital, it was felt necessary to move his body to Parkland. With their concentration firmly fixed on the casket of the deceased president, the newsmen completely ignored the ambulance which spirited away the body of J.D. Tibbet, so that it could be loaded onto Air Force Two, where John Melvin Liggett was waiting. When Kennedy's casket arrived at Love Field a few minutes later, Clint Hill, the agent who jumped on the car, recalled that all the people aboard Air Force One were told they had to go forward to witness the swearing-in of Lyndon Baines Johnson. This, of course, was just a ruse to get Jackie Kennedy to leave her husband's body, and the moment she was out of the way, his cadaver was stolen and placed aboard Air Force Two next to the cadaver of J.D. Tibbet. Next, I will play from 38... to 4040. The plot has now made their third and most stupid mistake. Instead of placing Tippett's body in a casket identical to the one aboard Air Force One, they placed him in a Spartan grey metal coffin inside a body bag. As the TV media showed these distressing pictures to a world reeling in shock, it's hardly surprising that no one ever dreamed this casket could be empty, but it was. As it was driven away, out of sight of the media, the two bodies were taken from Air Force Two and loaded onto a helicopter. It was at this point that the two honest men, FBI agents Francis X. O'Neill and his partner, William Siebert, became crucial figures in the story. They explained to researcher David Lifton that they made the journey to the Naval Hospital at Bethesda in the car behind the hearse which carried Jackie and Bobby and most notably Admiral George Berkeley, who made sure he stayed with the empty coffin by sitting on another man's lap. Upon reaching Bethesda, Seabird and O'Neill said Berkeley then guided the family members into the building while the hearse was ordered to the rear to unload. But that was where the simplicity ended. The FBI men and many other witnesses recalled a scene of absolute mayhem in which no one seemed to know what was going on. And military men were rushing around everywhere, exchanging anecdotes about decoy ambulances they had been ordered to follow, which had become high-speed chases around the hospital grounds as these vehicles raced away. It seems this confusion was created with the intention of misleading both the press and the large respectful crowd which had gathered on the lawn. People were asking each other which ambulance contained the president's body. Then a rumour started that it was coming by helicopter, but which one? Everyone watching that night recalls the air was filled with them, and the FBI men also told Lifton that in the midst of all this mayhem, they helped to carry the casket inside 
This was flatly denied by the team of Navy men who said they did it alone. It is therefore perfectly clear that two bodies were brought to the morgue separately whilst confusion reigned. And it was now that the plotters themselves became confused by the mayhem they had created because they left J.D. Tibbet's cadaver in the wrong casket. It should have been switched and gone into the autopsy room at the last And the one casket, an empty bronze casket, unloaded from Air Force One. Only slightly over two years later, to be the referenced bronze casket buried out to sea off the Maryland-Delaware coast on February 18, 1966, my conjecture carrying the now really deceased president of the United States of America, JFK, buried out to sea where he really wanted to be buried. And for now, for the points I'm focusing on, let's address Lee Harvey Oswald. And my conjecture, he was not killed. From this video, the new look at the Zabruder film and assassination of JFK by Jay Wildner and Ryder Lee dated May 14, 2022. I will now play from 40 50 to Blood over there. Now here, what's what about Oswald? What about Oswald? What about Oswald? What's going on with Oswald? Um, um, uh, what happened there? And so I pull out this, this iconic, iconic photograph, which is not iconic actually. This photograph is is a very unknown photograph of Oswald's assassination by Jack Ruby. And if you look at the upper right hand corner you'll see that there's a shotgun mic that's been hung from the ceiling. Um, <clears throat> now what's going on in this photograph is they're moving Oswald. This is the day after the assassination, the morning. They're moving, oh no, this is, this is Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. They're, they're moving, moving Oswald, so two days after the assassination. They're moving Oswald from the jail to the courthouse where he's going to be arraigned for the two murders that he committed that day. One was JFK and the other was a Dallas policeman named J.D. Tippett. 
And so as the, as the two police officers, one on each side, are uh, taking Oswald into the uh, court across this, um, across this hallway. And so this hallway is, has nothing significant about it. It's just an insignificant hallway between two buildings. Okay, there's no reason to put a mic here because, because nothing, nothing significant is ever going to happen at this place. place. Okay, Oswald's going to be gone from here in like, like 10, 10 seconds. seconds. He's, He's going to be gone. gone. He's going to be down the hallway, entering into the courthouse. All right, so this is a nondescript area. But somebody decided some kind of historical event or something was going to happen here, and they put up a mic to record it. Okay, okay, that's, that's the, first the first thing I want to show you. Show you. Second, Second, the, the, the mic is clear up here. And here's the other thing, okay? We're, We're dealing with two police officers and an ex-Marine here, okay? okay? That's, that's who these three people, people are that Ruby's coming, coming close to. to. One, One has been in uh, uh, combat trained, and the other two have been... You know, out in the streets doing police work for the for you know quite a few years it looks like right, so these are guys who don't miss anything. Uh, they're uh, uh, their heads, heads are on a swivel, swivel all the time. time. Their, their heads, heads are on a swivel, swivel right, right now. now. They've, They've got, got the assassin of possible assassin of the president of the United States. States. Uh, they, uh, they don't, don't want to be caught, caught you know, uh, 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 screwing something up. Else. Especially with all the cameras on and everything. Yeah, yeah here, here comes Ruby out of nowhere, um, and not one of these people can see him. Not one notices him. I guarantee you, I would have noticed him three steps earlier coming at me. I know I would have. And look at the, the uh, way that their eyes are fixed, the three gentlemen. It's, it's like, like they're, they're all staring at one thing up ahead and, and, and making sure that whatever they do, they don't act like they see Ruby approaching, Right. And the last thing I'll point out about this picture is um, Oswald's black sweater. So Oswald was arrested uh, like at 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon at the movie theater in a white shirt. And it looks like he has a little, that white shirt underneath the black sweater. But wh where did the black sweater come from? Uh, somebody went to his house and got him a black sweater and gave it to him. Um, I'm pretty sure that no one he was not allowed to visit anyone. So where did the black sweater come from that fit him? Where did it come from? And I would tell you that the black sweater is there to um, hide the fact, the fact that, that there's, there's no blood. blood. And there, there is, is no blood. Because I've, I've watched this film many, many times. Ruby shoots Oswald, and immediately Oswald disappears into a, a crowd of police officers. You see kind of going down, and we're never seeing him again, ever again. Um, it's, it's over. So, so it's, it's just this brief flash of Ruby shooting the gun, then Oswald just gets consumed by the cops, right? We just kind of take him and pull him back into the cops. We never know whatever happened to Oswald ever again. Um, he's buried at an unknown grave. Um, uh, we don't know where he's buried, and um, I contend to you that he's in on it. And so, so is Ruby. Ruby. Oswald's sweater, that black sweater, and furthermore, his supposed phone call to North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina area 
the evening of his arrest always has puzzled me. And now this further substantiation and this too, I am in agreement. Oswald's death was faked as well as JFK's and further substantiates my conjecture Lee Harvey Oswald was not killed at the time of the assassination attempt related events of the President of the United States of America. So now on to this, then who really shot police, Dallas police officer J.D. Tibbet? So now I'm going to go back to the JFK Truth and the Mob, CIA and the Eight Paid Assassins. And we're going to play this part. From 3158 to 3212 of the Francis J. Connolly video. We kill a lot of people. What the hell's the difference? Sturgis then went on to say that the Dallas police officer J.D. Tibbet was actually gunned down by the radio talk show host G. Gordon Liddy, who was at that time a CIA agent working with E. Howard Hunt. And voila. Based on all my previous remarks, Based on the timeline events earlier discussed, G. Gordon Libby and what? Watergate, which Francis R. Connolly never mentions nor references in his documentaries. Okay, so are you starting to see the pieces of the puzzle? We'll, we'll fit more pieces all together in a bit, but in the meanwhile, I want to go back to this to highlight this point and use this as the launching pad to what I call is phase two, the justice for the murder and assassination of J.D. Tippett. RFK, D.B. Cooper, yes, D.B. Cooper, Watergate, and of course, this Parkland throat wound based on my conjecture, now commonly referred to and otherwise known as what? Deep throat. Deep throat, as in the secondary JFK cadaver, deep throat wound, and what was always, really what was always being referenced and referred to by those in the know, truly in the know. Now, we're going to play this part from 2850 to 28. 
Although they had CIA agents placed in the emergency unit, these people were not aware of the throat wound. Which could hardly. There you go. And again, so what do you think? And again, Francis R. Connolly never mentions nor references in his documentary neither Watergate nor Deep Throat. With that, so are you ready to continue on to part five? Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. Again, I thank you for this opportunity. And again, my conjecture is and remains. JFK was not assassinated on November 22, 1963. What was proven on November 22, 1963, at that time, was the legal definition of conspiracy, the attempt to assassinate the President of the United States of America. This is now part five of this multi-part series. As I've prepared this PowerPoint called President John F. Kennedy Assassination Attempt, November 22, 1963, to assist with this further deep dive, including applicable visual photo, video clips to accompany my remarks even deeper than my previous remarks. Ready to continue? And again, as we proceed, I wanna hear your, your audience's questions, comments, aha moments along the way to make sure I've already addressed the question later in the series and to pulse where you are as well, particularly your aha moments, okay? Oh, it's going to be very interesting, all the twists and turns and where we end up, surprises and aha moments all along the way. So we will now go to part five of the PowerPoint to continue our journey. Okay, so with continuation and development overlap with what I refer to as phase two, as my conjecture that there was only one real murder assassination that took place in Dallas, Texas, on November 22nd, 1963, during the legal definition of conspiracy to assassinate the President of the United States of America, phase one. And that was the murder assassination of Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett, phase two, of which during that phase, now with his brother, the President of the United States at the time of this crime, JFK really deceased Robert F. Kennedy, RFK, as the top law enforcement officer, the U.S. Attorney General at the time, now knowing of this real murder assassination of a law enforcement officer, had the responsibility to bring this crime to justice, right? However, RFK would have to do so without exposing all that really occurred and why because of the massive national security implications and with Jim Garrison investigation hot on the trail. Even more so, if this was indeed a sanctioned, authorized black operation to, to save and protect our nation and the President of the United States of America, 
personally led by the commander-in-chief himself, the head of this black operation, the president of the United States himself, JFK was now deceased, not alive to indeed confirm this fact accordingly, and now unable to do so, putting the lives of those involved on this JFK's black operation in jeopardy. Thus, so this aspect of this black op, I refer to as phase two, the pursuit of justice for the murder, assassination of J.D. Tippett that occurred during phase one. But first, so again, my conjecture is and remains, JFK was not assassinated, but the legal definition of conspiracy to assassinate did occur. Oswald was not the lone gunman in the assassination attempt, nor was he himself murdered, and Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett was indeed murdered, the only real murder that occurred in regards to the November 22, 1963 events. Furthermore, a small deep throat wound that only a very small limited number of individuals would be aware of or even encounter. Thus, a prearranged, pre-orchestrator devil in the detail to expose and or to catch the chief orchestrator and co-conspirators accomplices to the legal definition conspiracy to assassinate the President of the United States. The, well, the second well-disguised deep throat wound, in addition to the very open and very publicly displayed headshot wound. So as we proceed, remember, my conjecture is a prearranged, pre-orchestrated, pre-positioned cadaver at Parkland Hospital inside the trauma room with these two distinguishable injuries, one visible to many to include the public and the other not so visible to many, including not to the public. And it is not JFK. Okay, so once the pre-orchestrated cadaver and J.D. Tippett's body, dead body, are flown to Washington, D.C., there are more and more eyes on, particularly in the U.S. military, more specifically the U.S. Navy, given both bodies were taken to Bethesda Naval Hospital, as in the U.S. Navy, right? In Maryland, President Kennedy's supposed autopsy begins at Bethesda Naval Hospital in Maryland. Some say the autopsy should have been done at Parkland in the state of Texas, and since it was removed without an autopsy, a crime was committed. But if it was a prearranged, pre-orchestrated, pre-positioned cadaver at Parkland Hospital, inside the trauma room, and it is not JFK, then an applicable autopsy would have already been performed in Texas of this applicable cadaver, right? So no law was broken. Oh, but what about the autopsy that should have occurred in Texas, but was removed without one being conducted for the second body, thus a crime being committed? And this applicable crime was in regards to and applicable to the body of Dallas Police Officer J.D. Tippett. So you're starting to see seeing where I'm going with all this. But even more so, what if the pre-planned U.S. military black operation arrangements took into account the cadaver, but not the other, J.D. Tippett? What does that mean, right? 
particularly if not a part of the plan, JFK's orchestrated plan, indicating a double cross, or even more so, double crosses, right? An insider, insider's threat, in addition to, over and above, the objective of JFK's plan, the outside infiltrator threat. They were really focused on attempting to catch in the act, which they did, but now this complication. The Oswald complication, they were easily able to resolve by faking his death. But now this real murdered Dallas police officer. Okay, so now the dead bodies of which neither are of JFK, since he was not assassinated, are talk, taken to Bethesda Naval Hospital. So how long do you think it took for folks in the U.S. military, U.S. Navy, and throughout the U.S. government that were not in the know to become aware of uh, the throat wound and mo more so that neither body was that of JFK? So where was JFK? More importantly, how does the U.S. government cover this up? Explain all this. What story must be told? Well, we all are well aware of the Warren Commission setup, cover-up deception, of which I remarked previously and go into, can go into more detail later if you like. But given JFK was U.S. Navy, as was RFK, Office of Naval Intelligence even, what story does the U.S. Navy Office of Intelligence come up with and spin? because they now have firsthand evidence, firsthand awareness, if not known previously. And my conjecture is the need to know group included JFK himself and only a very, very select few that were really in the know. That now few other individuals, entities outside JFK's group had, were now aware of then at that time immediately soon after arriving in Bethesda, Maryland from Dallas, Texas. Now knowing for sure, neither body is that of JFK. And now they know and have this cadaver with an additional secondary deep throat wound. What do they do, right? And media reporting that JFK was assassinated, but his body isn't one of these two. And what about those that were in the know? select JFK small group that now have the second very real assassinated murdered dead body, a real murder to contend with, J.D. Tippetts. So now I wanted to show again a clip from the JFK, the mob, the CIA, and the eight paid assassins YouTube video. Publication date, May 11, 20. May 11, 2017, by Francis R. Connolly. And we are going to show this from 2850. To 2855. Although they had CIA agents placed in the emergency unit, these people were not aware of the throat wound, which could hardly 
Okay. And now here's this clip from another video. It's called Greer Shot JFK and Mason's NWO, posted on November 9, 2012. It's 14 and, eight and 58 minutes long and by, I believe, a gentleman called Grod Gradlier. And I'm going to show it from one minute or one second to one minute 35. So why William Greer? Because he was born on a farm in Stewartstown County, Tyrone, Ireland, and immigrated to the United States of America in 1929? Wait, is this simply to imply yet another supposed Irish mobble, mob connection like Joseph Kennedy, Dick Cheney's father, Ronald Reagan, John Welsh even? Like I remarked previously in the podcast with Christy Tasker on Patriot's Perspective on Wednesday, August 17, 2017, 2021, August 17, 2022. Interesting, huh? Was this unseen secondary deep throat wound created to be a link to the chief coordinator and Greer with his background, laying the foundation segue for that connection catcher? Caption even? Perhaps. Okay, so here's this other film. Yet another film. 
that I would like to share with you. It's called William Greer shot JFK with top secret CIA gun. I will be showing this video from 428 to 525. This one's more complicated. I'll see if I can do this. My name is William Cooper. Between the years 1970 and 1973, I served on the intelligence briefing team of the Commander-in-Chief of the United States Pacific Fleet, who at that time was Admiral Bernard Cleary. I was attached to the Office of Naval Intelligence. I had a top-secret, Q, sensitive compartmentalized information, security clearance, and actually had access and the need to know almost everything that the Admiral himself, the members of his staff, and many high-level government officials. It was during this time that during the routine course of my duties, top secret documents crossed my desk that I was able to read that outlined everything that really and truthfully happened according to those documents in Dallas on November the 22nd, 1963, when President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. According to President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. According to these top secret. Now we're going to play from 650 to 748. The, documents, the intelligence community and the national security app that the assassination pistol used was prepared, manufactured specifically by the Central Intelligence Agency for assassinations. It was electrically operated, gas powered and could either fire a poison dart, a small hypodermic needle, or an exploding pellet, which could contain any one of several deadly poisons. These documents stated that William Greer, the driver of the president's car, a secret service agent, an ex-chauffeur of the Lodge family, turned in his seat and fired with this assassination pistol at point-blank range at the president's head, an exploding pellet filled with shellfish toxin, which really killed our president. President. See the confusion? All these supposed intel documents, the timing of all these supposed intel documents caused the head wound, but not a Hollywood squib, really? or for causing the cause for the throat wound, not the head wound, but the secondary wound, not many known, not known to many, only a very limited few. Only problem was JFK was not assassinated. Oh, but the prepositioned cadaver did have that secondary out of view intentionally placed throat wound and was this secret cia gun used for that pre-positioned second wound again given the supposed uk calls just prior to the assassination attempt 
which I'll discuss in a later series. So to, to lure, finally catch CIA or OSS-CIA, Winston Churchill's OSS-CIA, and the two links, Churchill with links to, linking to directly to Alan Dulles, perhaps? But now you have this U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence involvement. And now we're going to play from 916 to the end. Kennedy's brain was missing. It stated that when the autopsy was performed, it was publicly already. In this film, you're going to see this film narrated by a man named Lars Hansen. Uh, the film that he claims that he prepared and discovered, we really haven't gotten to the bottom of that yet. You're going to see this act, but this is a poor film. Watch, Watch closely. closely. Keep your Keep eyes, eyes on the driver. Remember, remember, if you, if want, you want to see, see who murdered a man, man, don't watch, watch the man, the man being murdered. murdered. Look around. around. In this instance, keep your Keep eyes, your eyes on, on the driver. Now, now, if you, if don't, you don't see, see it in this special film, film, you're going, you're going to see a better, better film after, after this at some, some point. And, and then, then, before the... the Unfortunately, that film was only nine minutes and 43 seconds long and did not show to what he was referring. And isn't it interesting? Don't watch who's being murdered, whereas we saw the Hollywood squib you would miss that it was a Hollywood squib if you don't watch who was being murdered. But anyways, with obvious U.S. Naval Intelligence, with the U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence attempts to pinpoint, pinpoint it on Greer, when really JFK and his inner circle that were in the know really knew all this was really about finally taking out a real chief coordinator orchestrator former British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. So why was the U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence involved in orchestrating a story, a cover-up story at all to begin with, if this was actually a black operation being, you know, being orchestrated by the Commander-in-Chief himself? Oh, but the Commander-in-Chief has now passed away. Okay, so again, William Cooper with the supposed U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence background indicated new and stated such as far back as 1972. And when was RFK with also a supposed U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence background, just like JFK, right? Supposedly assassinated, but not my conjecture, nor again, my conge conjecture, did JFK bring U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence into his small in-the-know group to begin with? Why? More on that in a bit. And here, U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence was getting into attempting to take control of the narrative. And boy, did they ever. 
And look what happens to William Cooper post 9-11, right? So according to his applicable Wikipedia page, which I internet accessed, on August 3rd, 2022, which was last edited at that time on July 27, 2022, at 1946 UTC, quote, in July of 1998, and this is under, um, under the death portion, in July of 1998, wait, that was right before the August 7, 1998 embassy bombings. William Cooper was charged with tax evasion, an arrest warrant was issued, but Cooper eluded repeated attempts to be served it. In 2000, he was named a major fugitive by the United States Marshal Service. On November 5th, 2001, Apache County Sheriff's deputies arrest, attempted to arrest Cooper at his Agar or Arizona home on charges of ag aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and endangerment stemming from disputes with local residents. After an exchange of gunfire during which Cooper shot one of the deputies in the head, Cooper was fatally shot. Federal authorities reported that Cooper had spent years evading execution execution of the 1998 arrest warrant, and according to a spokesman for the Marshal Service, he vowed that he would not be taken alive. Yet, according to this very same applicable Wikipedia page, and just prior under the radio show, second paragraph, on June 28, 2001, wait, that would have been right after my attending the East Africa Embassy bombing trial in New York City, tried by the Department of Justice Southern District of New York in early June of 2001, commenting on a televised interview of Osama bin Laden at his hideout in Afghanistan, William Cooper claimed that bin Laden would soon be blamed for a major attack on a large U.S. city, but don't you believe it? Immediately after the attacks on September 11, 2001, he predicted the U.S. would soon be at war in two or maybe three countries. Then, post 9-11, he's found and shot dead on November 5, 2001. So what was the sourcing? So who was the sourcing of Cooper's Osama bin Laden comments made after August 7, 1998, and prior to September 11, 2001. And was all this really about what William Cooper saw way back when in 1972 regarding the U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence JFK cover-up cover story attempt and his involvement, their involvement, whatever his and their involvement really was. particularly given 
this According to Christopher Fulton's book, The Inheritance, Poison Fruit of JFK's Assassination, on page 351, when the Pentagon was hit on 9-11, it was the Office of Naval Intelligence that was destroyed. Lee's, as in referencing Lee Harvey Oswald, Lee's file was kept next to Kennedy's in a safe. So where are they now? Poof, the records, the real dirty shit, all gone. A lot of problems were solved, and a lot of dirt and messy secrets were destroyed with 9-11. Now, for full understanding and context of these and my previous comments, I again highly recommend reading Christopher's entire book, which I did when I first hear a first hearing of Christopher and his situation in 2019 and the pinpointing of the overlapping of our two stories and our two storylines to August 7 through August 9, 1998. August 7, 1998, East Africa U.S. Embassy bombings and Christopher Fulton's previous meeting with JFK Jr. in Florida, the JFK Cartier watch, and then Christopher's curiously and coincidentally timed arrest of August 9, 1998, two days after the bombing. In my conjecture, Christopher's story, yet another link to the prearranged, pre-orchestrated, pre-positioned cadaver at Parkland Hospital inside the trauma room with these two distinguishable injuries, one visible to many to include the public and the other not visible to many, including not to the public, the small deep throat wound, and that it was not JFK. And this JFK Cartier watch being another supposed possible link to the top secret CIA gun conjecture previously specified, reference mentioned by U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence, William Cooper. I don't know. What do you think? This U.S. Navy Office of Naval Intelligence, William Cooper, November 5th, 2001 shootout. Yet another false flag staged event? I don't know. But in light of it all, what all this is really about, I toss it out as a possibility, a real possibility. With that, all this really puts the events of August 7, 1998, what happened to Christopher Fulton, in a new light of possibility and feasibility as well, particularly the JFK Cartier watch, its connection, its real connection, and real significance given Christopher Fulton's arrest on August 9, 1998, in regards to the JFK assassination attempt of November 22, 1963, doesn't it? The events are interlinked and interconnected. So we now continue on to part six.
Right on, right on, right on. Live right. Live right. In the real world. Right on radio. Right on radio.